0: Blessings I see, my past with its sin, a searching and strife, forever gone. There's a bright new dawn, for in Christ I have found new life. Take your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Luke 3, 1 through 6. Now, the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of Idrimea, and the region of Trachonitis, and Lysanias, the tetrarch of Abilene, Annas and Caiaphas being the high priest, and the word of God came unto John, the son of Zecharias, in the wilderness. And he came and he came into all the country about Jordan preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, or Isaiah, the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low. And the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough paths shall be made smooth. And the passage I want to spend a few minutes on with you. In verse 6, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. I believe this passage expresses the heartfelt hope of every believer through the ages that have come and that have gone. A lot of believers have come and gone and not seen this fulfilled. Think of John the Baptist as he spoke it. He did not see it fulfilled. I think the apostles, uh, in fact, from the writings, I know the apostles did not believe and did not have an idea that the age of grace was going to be this long. Paul, in his time, seemed to believe that the rapture of the church was going to happen in his time. I mean, it looked like Nero fit the bill for Antichrist. And uh, Paul, writing 13 of the 27 New Testament books being taught directly by Jesus, didn't seem to understand the length of the patience of God. Why has he delayed all this time? It's because he's gathering in a group of people called the church. People that believe. His kindness and his patience are past really finding out. There's so much past us. But someday, as sure as it was spoken almost almost 2,000 years ago, There'll be a time when every all flesh shall see the salvation of God. With the craziness that's going on today, I know in your heart, I know in my heart, there's a longing for justice. There's a longing for truth. There's a longing for right. But it will happen. And it is coming. There's a predictable cycle in our Christian lives. I think of John Bunyan, not Paul Bunyan, people, John Bunyan. John wrote Pilgrim's Progress while he was in prison in a uh, slime-filled, rat-infested Bedford prison. He wrote one of the most powerful books that have ever been written beside the Bible. The two most influential books in Christendom have been, of course, the Bible and Pilgrim's Progress. If you have not read Pilgrim's Progress, yay, I say it again, get the book and read it. And it may be a little tough going at the beginning if you get it in its original form, but it's worth every mile of the trip. Our first years of salvation, as, as uh, John Bunyan kind of picked up in, the, in Pilgrim's Progress, what I love about first time I ever read Pilgrim's Progress, I was probably 21, 22 years old. My wife would go to bed, and I'd stay up late and read, and I wept, and I laughed, and I wept, and I laughed. She she come out. you you, you all right? You know, crazy people weep and laugh and laugh and weep, but that book was so powerful as I kind of saw my life, even at 20-some years old, the cycles that our brother had put in there come true and were coming true first years of your salvation, you remember them. They're filled with pure, untainted zeal. I mean, when you're first saved, you don't have a whole lot of Bible knowledge, but you got a whole lot of zeal. No experiences really to recall, no failures to remember if you were saved young like I was. Not a glimmer really of cynicism. Little to fear for stepping out for Jesus. You just tell people, everybody, I've seen new believers, man, bold as a lion, tell everybody they know, hey, I got saved. You ought to get saved. You need to get saved. If you don't get saved, you're going to die and go to hell, man. You need to get saved. And you may, and we sometimes more mature folks, we may get critical of that and say, they're offending people. Where are you going to offend them to? Hell number two, hell number three. People are dying and going to hell, and you don't know when they're going to die. I had an alarm guy named John that fixed my alarm for many years at my house. One day he was at my house and the Holy Spirit just came by and said, tell John about Jesus. I I told John, I said, John, i got to talk to you about Jesus. What are you doing for your soul? He said, you know, Bill, I was raised a Catholic. I was an altar boy. I saw a lot of bad stuff. I really reject and have rejected all religion. It's just not for me. I said, John, it's for you. I tried to encourage him to read the Bible and give God another chance and give Christ. I said, just because people been bad, Jesus didn't do anything bad. A week later, John died of a heart attack. And far as I know, went to hell. You don't know what's going to happen when it's going to happen. It's good. A few, after the, the initial experience of salvation, a few rough experiences will come in, a few more rejections with malice, a, a few more heartaches, a few disappointments. A few obnoxious folks will will take you on. And maybe some personal failures will come into your life, some backsliding things will happen, some slips of your heart against the one who saved you. If not repented of, you can you can fall into a sense of coldness, yea, even bitterness, can come into your life. And from that a sense of frustration and anger can replace that original sweet spirit that the Holy Spirit gives you when you first get saved and being replaced by a hard, vengeful spirit and, if I may say, a cynical and critical spirit rather than one of simplicity and tender mercy that the Spirit of God will give you. Constant evil of those rejecting Christ around you will begin to cause you internal pain and daily pain. I don't know about you, but it does me for sure. I know. I believe it does you. I believe we're living as as close to Sodom. Uh, uh, the, the way Sodom was is probably you're going to get. When we have now government officials bragging about being a homosexual or married to men, other men married to men, the United Methodist Church was just, they said the largest denomination in the United States. I just read an article and I didn't realize it was. Uh, voted about 50 50. They're just getting ready to split right down the middle over this homosexuality issue. But I have to say, about half of them are, are going to hold to the Bible. And I, I, I didn't know there was any Bible left in the United Methodist. But about half of them said, no, we're not going to honor homosexual marriages. It's not Bible, it's not right. The other half said, Well, we are. But I know that if it affects you like it does me day by day, as it said in 2 Peter 2 8, it vexed his righteous soul in unlawful deeds. God's people through the ages have been telling the lost world that Jesus saves. That's what I do. I hope you do. In the Old Testament, of course, it was Jehovah saves, God saves. The reception of both the Old Testament and New Testament have been about the same. Narrow is the way and straight, and a few be that follow it and find it. If you're looking to walk with the majority, you'll not walk with Jesus. As time passes, the momentum of this is picked up. And in our hearts as Christians, we cry, Oh, that the world would know Jesus, and they would be saved. And we weep for them that the world would realize that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. The world would finally see him in his power and glory and honor and dominion and beauty. How it must have been frustrating for all the hosts of the angels that stood around Jesus when he was on earth. Everybody around Jesus knew who he was except the men around him. Satan knew who he was, amen? The demons knew who he was, and he told them to be quiet. The water and the wind knew who he was. The animals knew who he was. The disease that he healed knew who he was. The dead knew who he was when he told them to arise. The mighty angels knew who he was. But the men around him did not know who he was. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, kept saying, Who are you? Who are you? Where are you from? Who are you? Jesus came, lived, died, and left only a few understanding really who he was. A handful in Israel, a few sick people, a few dead people, but a very small slice of the population really knew who Jesus was. But according to John and Baptist prophecy here, by the grace of God, there's coming a day when this dilemma is going to end. When no more doubts will be left in anybody's mind, when the true character and nature and power of the person of Jesus Christ will be clear, no more false Christs, no more Jehovah Witnesses, no more Mormons or denominations or charlatans, or no more Muhammad, Buddha, secularists, atheists, or agnostics. All flesh shall see... The salvation of God. I mean, once and for all, absolute and total unity, and what a day that will be. Every creature ever made will understand and rejoice in who Jesus is and that He is the only one. Romans chapter 8, verse 19, a real curious place in the Bible. It says, For the earnest expectation of the creature or, or creation, waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Right now, the animals are waiting for the coming of Christ and the fulfilling of the prophecy of the Bible and Christ being crowned king of this old world. They're waiting for it. For the creature or the creation was made subject to vanity, that's sin, not willingly, but by reason of him who was subjected the same in hope. Because a creature or creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. That's our liberty. That's us he's talking about. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain <laughs> together unto now. I didn't know that when you got old that pain was going to be your constant companion. Nobody told me that. You old folks didn't tell me that. But I I get around, you know. I talk to these old folks. Oh, man, I'm in pain. If I got this pain, I got that pain. I called my neighbor the other day, and I said, how you doing? He's about three years older than I am. He said, Bill, I just get, if it's not this pain, it's that pain. If it's not this pain, it's just life is just full of pain. But he said, that's what it is to be old. You say, Brother Bill, that hadn't been my experience. You're a minority for sure. Because this old world is full of pain, but there's coming a day there'll be no more pain. Every skeptic on this old world is going to see him. Every Christ denier, every atheist, every agnostic. All they've got their arguments against the Christ that was sent for them, but it won't be, it won't work. Every mocker will see Him. Every hater will see Him. In one moment, all doubt, all mocking, all false doctrine, all lies about the Son of God are going to be cleared up. I like in Revelation 1-7, Behold, He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see Him, and them also that pierced Him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of Him. Now, whoa! Even so, amen. It'll be, remember when Trump was elected. Since then, what have the liberals been doing? I think you can sum it up that they've been wailing. They had a special day where everybody went outside and screamed at the sky. You remember that? Everybody went outside and just went, ever seen a spoiled child in a in a drugstore or in a grocery store when he didn't get what he's way? throw himself down on the floor, screaming, kicking, you know, barrels, kid. Kicking and screaming, ah! I tell you, if I, may, if I ever go to jail, it'll be because of one of those experiences. I pick that old kid up and put him across my knee and give him a good old spanking. I hope you come visit me. that's a quote by the way of Revelation 1.7 is a quote of Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10 every eye shall see him they that pierce him, that's before the crucifixion another prophecy of the Old Testament of the crucifixion of Christ so what is the general reaction of the unsaved of Christ's coming the salvation of God is that they are in mourning they don't want i think it's become clear to us that they don't want christ they don't want the bible they don't want god to rule over them in fact they consider that the horror of horrors and indeed when they find it's coming the bible says they're going to mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son they're going to say oh no not this not Jesus, surely, no. Zechariah 12, 11 says, In that day there should be a great mourning in Jerusalem. as the mourning of Hadadrimon, that's it, in the valley of Megiddo, The land shall mourn. Every family apart, the family of the house of David apart, and their wives apart, family of the house of Nathan apart, and their wives apart. There'll be mourning. Just think of it. While you and I long for that day, when we look for the day when salvation of God will appear to everyone, when Christ's feet will land on the Mount of Olives, it'll split in two, and the Dead Sea, a, a stream's going to flow to the Dead Sea out of the Mount of Olives and heal it, and the sea's going to flow, a water's going to flow like a river over the Mediterranean and he's going to set up his kingdom in Jerusalem and rule, the Bible says, for 1,000 years in righteousness, absolute justice will be done. No more Mueller, Mueller, whatever his name is, reports. Two years of investigation over nothing. No more bias, but honesty and transparency and righteousness will be what Christ is about? Woo wee! That is fabulous. One thousand years of absolute righteousness. Amen. No, 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 no. At the end of the thousand years, the devil's released. Now, now, in a thousand years of the best government you're ever gonna have. Period. The best program. The best application that it could are people going to be happy? The Bible says Satan's released for a little season. He deceives a massive group of people without number, and they go to Jerusalem to take Jesus off the throne. You can't make them happy. That's what that tells me. You can't make somebody this unrighteous righteous. If, if, if they don't come through Christ and get saved, brother, they're not going to appreciate the fact that all the earth will see the salvation of God. They're going to mourn about the things that we rejoice about. Jeremiah 8.20 says, The harvest is past, the summer's ended, we're not saved. Matthew 13.41 says, The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them that do iniquity. And shall cast them into the furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Dear one, live for Jesus. In the midst of the darkness, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Now, in this moment of darkness, is our opportunity to shine. But it's not the end of our shining, but it's just the beginning. Daniel 12:3 says, They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. I say, even so, come, Lord Jesus. How about you? Be encouraged, believer. For 2,000 years, believers have come and we've gone, but we all in patience, we in patience wait for God's word to be fulfilled, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Our Father, thank you tonight for the word of God. Thank you for the assurance of the Bible. Father, we thank you for the absolute foundation, the Bible says, of God stand assured. We thank you, Father, that you allowed us to see Jesus dying on the old rugged cross for us, making provision for our sin, that we could have forgiveness. Thank you, Father, for the remembrance of that old Passover. That you gave yourself for us. Thank you for the day, once a year, that rolls around, that we can again refresh ourselves on the price that you paid for our sin. Now, there be any in this in this room tonight that knows not what it means to have Jesus Christ as your Savior and <clears throat> to have your sins forgiven? Oh, before you leave this place, see one of us, Brother Moon, myself, one of the deacons. See us to say, I'd like to talk to somebody, ladies, we'll put you with a lady, and show you what it means to be saved and have the we'll explain the gospel to you like it was explained to us in kindness and confidentiality. Father, we pray that somebody may be saved tonight. We pray that we'd go out into this old world and shine in the opportunity we have. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.